Thanks for tuning in to another week of the Biblicist podcast. Looking forward to today's episode. And we're going to be talking about pastors, their role, their responsibilities, their requirements. What is a pastor? What is What are we to expect from our pastor? So this episode isn't just about people looking towards the role of pastor as, a, as maybe a role that they would play in the church, but it's also important for those that don't seek the pastorate. It's important that they know what is a pastor supposed to be biblically um, and what is a pastor supposed to look like based on scripture. It's very, very important. There's lots of extremes when talking about pastors. In fact, I was recently talking with a friend and there's a lot of organizations, and it's understandably so, that have a really high um, uh, uh, very high expectations for what pastors are to be, but there a lot of them have extra biblical things that they talk about, you know, in, especially in regards to like church planters and, and different assessments that they do. Um, a lot of books that are written in, in in regards to pastoring, church planting, say things like you know you have to be an entrepreneur, business mindset, just a a go getter type of person. You got to wake up running in the morning. You don't have to set an alarm clock. Like you're just absolutely incredible. Um, and so I, I see these type of expectations written about a lot. Um, and in fact, as I was reading a lot of these different things and, and trying to do some self-assessment on myself, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a pastor. I, I'm pretty sure based on what I'm seeing uh, here in these books and what I'm seeing from these other pastors is that I do not qualify for a pastor because I'm not an entrepreneur. I I need an alarm clock in the morning. I, I need some help. I need to drink some coffee in the morning to get going here. I'm just don't, you know, I need some help. And so, um, and I'm just giving a couple examples of that. Uh, then there's the other extreme, and that is churches or organizations that have very low standard for the pastoral role. As long as they agree on a few simple things, you know, they, whatever, they can do whatever, and they give them this freedom to lead, but they end up creating dictators and, and pastors who abuse that role, uh, which is completely unacceptable. Now, you shouldn't be afraid of your pastor. You shouldn't go into a worship service, um, whether that's whatever the time that is. You shouldn't be have you shouldn't go into a worship service and like, man, I wonder if a pastor's going to think of me today. Like, seriously, are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping man? So that's also how you shouldn't view your pastor um, is is putting him up on a pedestal and thinking, oh man, I got to please my pastor. I really got to please my pastor. I gotta, man, I just want to make sure he thinks that I look good, um, which is really dangerous and, and gets you close into the world of of legalism closer than you. Know. So all that to say is because of these these reasons, I wanted to assess myself based on scripture. And plus, I need you guys, I would love for you guys to know what should you expect from your pastor and, and how should you view your pastor. Um, and so for me, I went to scripture and um, I wanted to know what does the Bible say. I wanted to know how, how I was doing in regards to scripture for the role of pastor. And plus, I wanted to have a biblical view of it, not just some guru who wrote a book um, and not just some man-centered idea of what a pastor should look like. What, what does the Bible actually say? So the passages that I looked at was Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, uh, 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1 through 7, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, and Acts 20, 28 through 31, and some other verses as well as I was going through this. Um, and what I found very quickly is that the Bible clearly teaches that if a man has been given a God-given desire to be a pastor in a local church, that he desires a good thing. The Bible is also clear that this is a serious matter. 
Uh, it's incredibly it's an incredibly important role with many requirements and responsibilities. John MacArthur said this, the man truly called to church leadership is marked by both an inward consuming passion and a disciplined outward pursuit. Now, before diving into the requirements and responsibilities, I, I got to start by taking a look at the basics of the role. In other words, what does pastor mean? Now, now the word pastor comes from the word shepherd. Uh, a shepherd cares for, protects, leads, and feeds those to whom he has been given the responsibility of pastoring. Now, of course, Jesus is the chief shepherd, the one who leads us all, believers, and those who have the role of pastor are a type of under-shepherd, if you will, caring for the church till Jesus returns. Uh, the church does not belong to pastors. This is a really important understanding. The <laughs> Pastors do not have a monopoly on the church or a monopoly on a walk with God. They don't. The church belongs to Christ and only to Christ. The role of a pastor is the role of a steward that is accountable to God for how he stewards God's church that has been purchased by his blood. Hebrews 13, 7, James 3, 1, Ephesians 5, 25. Now, now Jesus leads the church with authority, the, the chief shepherd, while pastors lead the local church with accountability under shepherd. So what's required? Now, now that you're aware of the importance and seriousness of the role, it's, it's time to see the requirements for even accepting and keeping this role. This is essential and must be something that we, as the church, take seriously. The Bible teaches that if a man desires the role of pastor, he must be of upstanding moral character. Now, this does not mean they have to be sinless because there is no sinless man. But there are those who have been marred by an obvious sin that has blemished their testimony in the church, and possibly even their public reputation. And this does not mean that there is not forgiveness, but it does mean that they're, they're not qualified for this role. The devil would use his past, recent or distant, to vilify and discredit the church, or the church would use his past as an excuse for sin in their lives. He has to be the husband of one wife, or more directly translated, a one-woman man. This is specifically speaking of being sexually pure. This does not necessarily require a pastor to be married, although I'd say it's highly recommended, um, but more has to do with only having eyes for your wife. If, if you're married, that means that you have only, only have eyes for and intimacy with your bride. If you're not married, it means you have eyes for and intimacy with no one, for you have no bride. He's someone who manages his household well. Now, the last thing the church needs is, as, as John Bunyan put, saint abroad and the devil at home. This would include how he handles his personal finances. Is he in perpetual debt or does not, or, and does not care to learn how to handle his money? Uh, does he care for and provide for the needs of his wife and children? But most specifically, this is dealing with how he is raising his children. Is he pointing his kids to Christ and disciplining them when they become unruly? Or is he letting his kids live free with no accountability as they are openly being accused of debauchery and unruly behavior with no respect for their father. 
For someone to be considered for the role of pastor, he must be someone who is not arrogant, aggressive, and self-assertive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've just I've known a lot of arrogant, aggressive, and self-assertive pastors, and I used to think that's something that a pastor would have to be under the guise of confidence. He must be someone who does not have a propensity to anger or short-fused. I'm sorry if you've ever had to deal with that. Um, He must be not known for being around alcoholic beverages. Someone that is not looking for a fight and violence, but in contrast, gentle. Someone who does not look for an argument, but foremost looks for a peaceful solution. He should not be someone that is always wanting to know what he can gain. Greedy, but is free from the love of money. He is someone who loves to be and is often hospitable. Um, And let me give you a definition that, that John MacArthur put on that word hospitable. He said, gives practical help to anyone who is in need, friend or stranger, believer or unbeliever, freely offers his time, resources, and encouragement to meet the needs of others. And this person has the ability to teach people. To measure this ability would be to see if he can help people understand things correctly. That can be difficult to understand. Some say that he must be a skilled teacher. But I'd find it sufficient and biblical to say someone with the ability to teach and the willingness to grow that ability. Now, he's a lover of all good things and people. And this can be defined as strongly affectionate toward good. This comes across somewhat vague, and I don't like to speculate, so I won't. Instead, I'll just quote Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. This would be a man who is sober, which is to say clear-headed, sensible, knows his priorities, and is not easily distracted. He is also temperate, which is to say abstains from wine or is disciplined. He is someone who has self-control, not careless, but aware of and paying attention to his own life. Um, Homer A. Kent Jr. said this, The ministry is no place for the man whose life is a continual confusion of unaccomplished plans and unorganized activities. He is someone who is respectable and of good behavior. He's someone who is just, treating people fairly. He's someone that is holy, devout, committed to Christ and the ministry, set apart. It most obviously requires that he hold firm to the word of God and all the sound doctrine contained therein. In other words, the Bible is something he respects, studies, believes, and obeys. He should not be someone that just recent was just recently converted or, or is still young in their faith. This is the general rule, but would appear that it is a rule that applies in relation to the maturity of the local congregation, right? So, because in, in some cases, um, you could probably say uh, that, uh, you could probably say this, not the most recent convert uh, and the most mature convert. And this is how it appears to be in the case with Titus. Now, some choose to ignore this requirement, but it's just as important as the rest. He must have a good report from people in the community. 
This means the man he is with the church is the same man with those outside the church family. I put it like this. How he treats the waitress matters. Be a good tipper, too. How he handles his personal business matters. God wants you to be able to reach your community, not push them away with a bad testimony and bad character. You can check 1 Peter 2.12, Philippians 2.5, and Colossians 4.5. So we've talked about the role. We've talked about uh, the, re- the requirements. So now we're going to dive into what is a pastor responsible to do? What are his responsibilities? He is responsible to exhort believers, to urge believers, to beseech believers, to encourage believers, to call alongside of believers. He is responsible to give instruction and sound doctrine, healthy and wholesome doctrine. See 1 Timothy 5, 17, 1 Timothy 6, 2, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 14, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. He is responsible to refute false doctrine and to rebuke false teachers that may be within or without the church with the goal of protecting the church from falsehood and with the hope of turning the one with contradictory doctrine to the truth. He is responsible to stand in truth and guard his relationship with God while feeding the truth to the church, willingly leading them and watching over them with a ready mind, leading by example and not as a master over them. Pastors aren't masters. Pastors aren't dictators. They're leaders by example. Being alert and aware of wolves, that is, false teachers, false problem starters in the church for selfish gain. Let's wrap this up with one more quote from Pastor John MacArthur. The pastor is no nine-to-five occupation that one can walk away from and forget each evening. Its work is never-ending and dependent on maximum effort and the power of Christ at work in the man. And that as far as I can tell, is everything that Scripture talks about in regards to the role, the requirements, and the responsibilities of pastors. This is important. This is important for pastors to know who they're supposed to be. It's important to understand the high accountability in which pastors lead. A pastor shouldn't be someone that you have to fear and to and to hope that he's pleased with me. No, he's just a man. Another sinner saved by grace who has a very high accountability in how he leads the church. He has no authority. Jesus is the authority in the church. And I'm very thankful for pastors in my life. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a pastor. But I, nor any other pastor, is there to be feared or to scare people into doing things, or to uh, make you think that you have some special high uh, connection with God that the people don't have. We're not priests. (laughs) We have one high priest. One priest. His name is Jesus. We have one head of the church. His name is Jesus. Pastors are here to shepherd and lead with accountability and humility. Pastors are here to point us to Jesus, to point us to his word. Don't forget, read the Bible, live 
the Bible.